This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Matthew Brandon from China.co on the evolution of the WeChat ecosystem. In the second part of our conversation, we discuss their international expansion strategy, competition for the attention of WeChat users by brands and businesses, the progress of the mini programs, and what to expect this year in their product roadmap. Welcome back with me, Matthew Brennan from ChinaChannel.co and one of my default WeChat experts in China. Matthew, on the first part, we talk about WeChat's user growth and numbers, WeChat advertising, and WeChat pay. Now, I want to come to a different topic about WeChat's international strategy. I think we delve a little bit on that. Why has WeChat not expanded well beyond China's shores? Well, that war for users was fought in 2013, around that time. The war's over. The network effect is also is, is already very, very strong in all the major markets. WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger are, are leading this globally. And that's not going to change. WeChat, when you look at their history and the advantages they've had in China, the team in China behind WeChat really understands Chinese users and the features that they opened up, such as voice messaging, such as the official accounts platform, the lucky money, for example, is another classic example. These are the features which have you know, hit the Chinese market at the right time and have been really accepted in China. They've really met the needs of the Chinese users really, really well. And they're, they're less relevant globally once we get outside mainland China. The situation where WeChat is really just used in China and for ethnically Chinese people and people doing business with China and no one else, that situation is not likely to change anytime soon in the future. But in terms of their international strategy, WeChat now is looking at businesses because it has a solid payments platform now. We have millions, hundreds of millions. Uh, the last number was 200 million, but it's definitely almost double that, you know, maybe closer to 500 million now in terms of number of Chinese users who have their bank card linked to WeChat. So that means it's a great payments option. It's great tool for businesses who want to target Chinese consumers. They have payments baked in so they can do e-commerce on the platform and they can provide service on the platform and they can do brand advertising on the platform. This is their strategy now to target businesses outside China. And up until now, there's been a couple of problems with that, which, you know, one of the big ones is that Chinese businesses, sorry, non-Chinese businesses cannot open an official account that is visible in China without opening some kind of legal entity there. So that's been a big stumbling block. And that is changing this year. In Europe already, that has changed. And now businesses can open on their current European business license as long as they commit to a certain advertising budget. Also, there's been another huge change, which is that official accounts can be transferred between organizations. So this means you're not, if you do open an official account as an international business with usually what they would do is partner with a local agency. If you want to change that agency later on, you can do that now. Whereas before they were really kind of married to the agency that they started 
that was a, that was a huge issue, and and that's gone now. So the combination of these, and I think later on there's going to be some other announcements this year, from what I've heard, and those the combination of these is going to be a game changer actually for businesses to to work on this platform, international businesses. The other big trend we're seeing is Chinese tourists using Alipay, using WeChat Pay around Asia now. If you go to places like Thailand. You're going to see those WeChat Pay logo and the Alipay logo everywhere because these are the preferred payment options now for young Chinese who are increasingly traveling abroad. So this is another big trend we're going to see in 2017. So could you provide some thoughts to how you see the rest of Asia or Europe able to tap into the WeChat ecosystem then? For Asia, I think that's the place that Tencent has been focusing most on in 2016 and the beginning of 2017 because that's really where the bulk of Chinese tourism lies. These kind of short flight destinations: South Korea, Japan, Thailand, as I mentioned. These are the places that they put their efforts into first. Taiwan as well. And I think in 2007, towards the end, the second half of the year, we're going to see more of a focus. On other tourist destinations such as the states、uh, and Europe, I have a very interesting question to ask. WeChat invested in Kakao Talk, invested in Hike in India, and it has the probably the propensity or the financial capability to acquire Line at some point. Why not do a merger and acquisitions and convert all of them into WeChat or subsidiary in order to drive that market share growth? Right, that's a really good question, actually, Bernard. So I think. Chinese companies in general, not just Tencent, have kind of learnt their lesson and changed their strategy in terms of going into international markets. Before WeChat is actually a very good example of this. So rather than try and promote what is essentially a messaging platform that's very very suited for Chinese users, and try and take that and adapt it to foreign markets, which is one strategy. Another strategy would just be to invest in what they believe are the local institutions in this area. That have high potential, and invest in those, and transfer their wealth of knowledge and information and technical skills over to those companies that they've invested in. Snapchat actually was a company which Tencent invested in early on. I don't think we know exactly how much they invested. I don't think that was disclosed, but it was a quite early on investment. The examples that you gave of Hike is is another good one. Kakao Talk, although I don't think those. In Kakao Talk again, I don't think it was a huge investment. This strategy of working with a local company that's already established, already got its foothold, makes a lot more sense actually, I think, and will get much better returns because we all know that Chinese companies do have trouble when they go abroad and they try and adapt to local markets. They're very, very different from the mainland, and they've got a lot of learning to do. So partnering up makes a lot more sense. That comes to another part of the conversation is about competing for WeChat users. My first question to you is: Is WeChat still the easiest way to acquire users in China? Right. Good question. WeChat used to be there was a golden period for WeChat where it was a very easy platform for startups, for example, to gain users. And to build a large following quite quickly through content marketing, basically, that time has passed. It's, it's a very competitive platform now. Everybody's flooded into WeChat. There is a huge amount of content being produced on a daily basis and consumed on a daily basis. The number of official accounts has risen incredibly in the last few years. It's now estimated to be between. I, I put one estimate in a report, which is from iMedia, which puts this year at 14.1 million official accounts. So that's roughly one official account for every 60 users, something like that. I've seen other estimates where they said the number of official accounts is more like 20 million. Tencent doesn't reveal that number, so we don't know the exact number of, of official accounts. But what's clear is the trend, and what's clear is the getting what we call page views, PV. 
on WeChat articles, which is one of the key metrics that businesses look at when they're judging their success on the platform. That is getting more and more difficult, for sure. In fact, for media this year, there was a quote I put in the report where it said for what we call We Media, they from January this year compared to last year, the average number of views fell from 12% to 5% in terms of the number of followers, the number of views they'd get on an average article. And uh, that's consistent with uh, informal information that I'm getting from friends and people that I work with. So what are some of the statistics such for subscription accounts or followers drop in WeChat that we should watch out for then? Well, I think it's a trend that's been that people have been talking about for a while. It doesn't mean that WeChat is said as, as a marketing platform at all. That's very far from, from the case. It just means that it's mature. You know, the good days have, have gone. It, before it was really a honeymoon period, it was easy to build and test your business on WeChat and with completely organic marketing, uh, as long as you were able to produce some decent content. Now, it's WeChat is still the gold standard in terms of marketing, and that's where you want to have followers is on your WeChat service account for most businesses. And WeChat has massive benefits which other platforms don't have so a couple would be payments you know having payments baked in and having everyone comfortable with using that and having it just a a one click to pay and then just put in your payment password and you're done there's no other platform that mixes content plus payments plus social together like that in the world probably so that's a huge benefit because you're going to be able to monetize on wechat much easier than other platforms so you could build a big following on juhu for example which is the chinese quora but you're not going to be able to monetize that very easily compared to wechat another big benefit is that for crm so wechat With the back end, it does allow you a lot of large accounts. If you're taking WeChat marketing seriously, you're going to be linking up with some kind of CRM tool. And when you do that, you can start to send personalized communication. Uh, You can start to segment your following and send them more relevant content. And this is extremely powerful tool if you use correctly. Using WeChat as a service channel, as a personal one-to-one communication tool. Again, there's nothing else in China that can really do that. And if you're doing that in the right way as a brand, that's going to be incredibly powerful and add a lot of value to your business. There's huge benefits for WeChat that aren't going to go away. All we're saying here is that it's just becoming more noisy and more competitive. So what are the best practices that you recommend, say, to marketers on retaining and acquire users on WeChat? I would say think of WeChat as a service channel. Think of it uh, how we can how you can integrate WeChat with the services you provide, with uh, your processes, in order to really, truly add value to the user. Rather than thinking of it as a broadcast channel, thinking of it as, you know, we're going to push content on there and send out and broadcast information in a similar way to email in the West. We can broadly say that a WeChat is like email. I think I put a quote in there from Pony Ma, which was actually my favorite quote of the year. Pony Ma, the CEO and founder of Tencent, said this. I've got it in front of me now, actually. Actually, WeChat is email. It's a short, fast email, but because it's so fast, you don't think it's email. You know, that's the CEO of Tencent saying that. It's definitely uh, how they view it. And it's true. WeChat can be used in that way as a broadcast channel, very similar to email in the West. But the the benefits of you of just pushing information and not making it a conversation not making it as a way to provide service or value or community rather than just sending out your information one way. That kind of thinking, that paradigm is not going to get you very far. That's a very interesting perspective. So I want to come to your favorite subject, the mini programs, the thing that we discussed the last time around. So since the launch of the mini programs, what is the progress of mini programs so far? Because I've read recently in Tech in Asia that it seems that it's not gaining traction with developers. Is that true or is just that the story is much deeper than that? I think what's going on is 
definitely more complicated than what's been reported in Western media, for sure. Definitely, Mini Programs has not met the expectations of anyone. I don't think anyone has really foreseen what, what would happen. Tencent made a lot of noise about them. Zhang Xiaolong, the founder, was talking about eulogizing about them in very broad terms. So far, it seems they haven't got much traction. And the main reason for that is the limitations that WeChat has put placed upon them. So, for example, you can't share a mini program in the moment's newsfeed. You can't link out of a mini program. You can't send notifications to users easily. They're very, very restricted. So this takes away the core value of the official accounts. Official accounts are used, as I mentioned before, we can think of it, they're used like email, basically. They're used as a broadcast channel, and that's how marketers like to use them. Mini programs doesn't have that. So you're taking away one of the things that the, the core thing that marketers love about official accounts and replacing it and, and not replacing it with anything that's really got a, a serious value add for most businesses. Now, WeChat has made it clear that they see many programs as the direction and the focus of many programs to be offline to online. So the, the best example of many programs offering value, clear value to a business is actually Mobike. And Mobike in itself and the bike sharing market in China is a completely interesting and very hot topic in in, a, in of itself. I'm sure you, you must be doing a, a podcast about that soon, Bernard. Actually, I've done just done one episode. Okay, good, good. You've got to do that because it's just such a hot topic and it's so interesting. So Mobike has opened their mini program and it's now linked up to the WeChat scanner directly. And this is clearly offering a massive value to Mobike because Pony Mar again mentioned that he was on the record as saying the number of registered new users from Mobike's mini program are about the same as directly from their app. So the mini program is a very seriously important channel now for Mobike in terms of getting new users. We know if you use their mini program, you will see why, you will understand exactly why, because it's much easier than using their app, actually. And for, especially for a first-time user, scanning a QR code on a bike and then being asked to download an app when you're on your own network, that's not a good user experience. That's got a lot of problems. So um, it's going to take you time and it's going to eat up your data plan as well. The fact that you've got another app on your phone, you know, a lot of people don't like that. Whereas on a mini program, you just scan the QR code and bam, it pops up pretty much like a web page in the same sort of time period. It's a couple of seconds, and now you're using Mobike. So this is a clear advantage over their competitors as well. And this is obviously because Tencent invested directly into Mobike that they're able to have this kind of cooperation. But WeChat has let it be known that this a feature of using the WeChat scanner directly, because the, the key thing they've done is you, if you scan the QR code using another app, it will just pop up a web page. But if you scan it using WeChat, it pops up their mini program. So this sort of dual system is only available currently as of when we're speaking right now today. It's only available for mobile, but it's going to be released for everyone pretty soon. And that could be a game changer for a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stores and places in China where they do have signs that say download our app um, in order to get this sort of benefit or use our membership card, stuff like that. Nobody really does it. They don't get much traction on that. Now, if we can take all those QR codes and turn them into mini programs and say, okay, first download the mini program and use that, they're going to get a much higher conversion rate on those without changing the posters, without changing the QR codes. So that could get a lot more traction. So that feature is going to be released probably in the next month or two, and then we'll see how that goes. 
But to be honest, it's early days on many programs. Let's look. It's been around for about two months now. I think a, a better time to look at it would be after half a year. You know, some of the other features that WeChat rolled out, like rolled out like enterprise accounts, for example. When they first put them out, they weren't very good. They had a lot of problems. But now enterprise accounts are really quite good, and they've come a long way since they've been launched. And I expect many programs will be the same. So coming to the last part, I mean, we talk about the international strategy, the competition for users, mini programs. What are the new features for WeChat? I mean, what are the new things that we should watch out for this year in WeChat? Okay, well, broadly speaking, the new features being rolled out on WeChat are getting fewer and fewer over time. The platform, again, is maturing. That's broadly what's happening. If you look back a couple of years, you look back at year one of WeChat, the new features month by month that they were rolling out were crazy. New, new things were popping up on a weekly basis. Now, the new features that they roll out, they're very, very careful because WeChat has a huge ecosystem built up around it. And if they make even a small change to the official accounts platform, for example, that affects millions of businesses across China. They do have a lot of pressure now because they have all these complex partnerships built up. You know, they have a, also they have a team that's over a thousand people now. So the WeChat team years ago was, it was only a handful of people when they started out. Actually, I've, I've heard from one person the WeChat team was only eight people when it started, you know, and back late 2010. Yeah, now it's well over a thousand people and it's still growing. When, when you get to that size, it's more difficult to iterate fast and, and to bring out new features. For 2017, we've got an interesting situation, actually. What's going on with Weibo? is very important because Weibo, the Chinese Twitter, has a sort of revival that's been well publicized, I think, in the media. It's a situation now where Weibo is really gaining traction again. And what is really driving this at the core? Well, it really boils down to two things, which is live stream and short video. So short video has been, has the short video market uh, has grown, it's seen explosive growth in 2016, uh, absolutely explosive. And most of that, a lot of that's been driven uh, from Weibo, from Miaopai. And uh, WeChat doesn't have that. The newsfeed there is not, when you go to Weibo and you open up the newsfeed, it's very alive with video. It's got a very different feeling and a much more modern and exciting feeling compared to WeChat. So users like that, especially young users, and they're, they're going to Weibo for that experience. The question is, is WeChat gonna make some changes to get their newsfeed more video orientated? And I think the answer is probably yes, but they will do it in a sort of restrained way, in a in a way that fits their product values. I don't think it will be exactly like uh, other platforms are doing. I don't think they're going to introduce live stream, although the live stream business model in China is incredibly lucrative. And that's what's got everybody so interested in live stream in 2016 and, and moving into this year as well. But I don't see WeChat introducing that. I could be proved wrong. But it really just doesn't, everything I know about the team and their product values, it just doesn't vibe with what they're about. But short video, yes, I could see that. I think that that would make sense. So my probably last question is, um, where do you see WeChat uh, grow in the next one year? Is it going to more focus on the domestic market or more towards the international market or they will be trying to do both again? Um, I think... Actually, Bernard, can we stop? I wanted to just, for that last part, I wanted to add uh, search into that. Okay, I think it's important. Uh, the, the last point I want to make is about search. Um, search in WeChat traditionally has been very bad, uh, very poor user experience. It's not something they focused on. Um, but I believe in 2017 that we will see some uh, 
changes to search to make it much better experience in WeChat. There were a lot of small changes over 2016 that all added up to make search a much better experience in WeChat. And um, Tencent invested in Sogo, uh, Sogo Search, and they now own about half of that company. And uh, I think they see that as strategically important as well. Um, there is a lot of scope for WeChat to be better at search and to ingrain a habit of users of using WeChat for search more. And if they do that, they could potentially eat some market share from uh, Baidu, uh, which for which for Tencent, they would love to do. <laughs> I thought I should just put the last question in another way. So do you see WeChat incorporating artificial intelligence to make its product better, to be able to predict users in this year? Oh, that is a good question. The only time I've seen the WeChat team mention artificial intelligence was Alan Zhang. He mentioned it briefly. He was talking about there's other apps in China that use artificial intelligence to create the newsfeed and to put articles in there based on your preferences and what you've clicked on before. And the whole thing's done by AI in the background. The app I'm thinking of is uh, Jinru Toutiao, Daily Headline. And that's quite a famous app for news in China now. He used them as an example. Actually, on the Tencent's earnings calls, they also referenced uh, Jinru so it's definitely an app that they are paying a lot of attention to. But the WeChat team, Alan John, was saying that they prefer their method of organically discovering content from your friends. And they believe that's a superior way to filter content, basically, and have it content appear in a newsfeed based on actual real people recommending rather than an algorithm. He said, because an algorithm can only really predict what you're going to like based on what you've read previously. But sometimes things can come out of the blue that you don't expect and you don't know about, which an algorithm could never predict, but will come from your friends and your social circles. Matthew, it's always great to have you on the show. I probably will get you back once WeChat will have another big announcement happening in the next couple of months. And I'm sure it's going to be very soon. So help my audience. How do they find you? Sure. Well, the chinachannel.co website would be a good place, especially if you want to learn more about WeChat. We've got tons of resources on there. I'm active on Twitter and I'm active on LinkedIn as well. And of course, we have the WeChat account. If you guys are on WeChat, then check us out. That's CH China Channel. And uh, we post uh, every, uh, most weeks on there with the latest news and, and, and data and things like that. You can find me at bleongcw or at bernardleong.com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E Asia on Twitter. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast and tune in and of course Google Play in the US market. Tweet to me, recommend us on Overcast or even give us a five-star rating on iTunes. So once again, Matthew, really great to have you on the show. And this, is a, this has been a great conversation with you on WeChat. Great. Great as always to be on the show, Bernard. Thank you.